Welcome to episode 139 of This Week in Marketing Show. This is your host, Sajid Islam. Today, I'll be going over the notable news and updates in the digital marketing space from the week of December 12 through 16, 2022. Now, before I begin, uh, I want to ask you listeners for a favor. If you've been finding value, if you've been finding this show to help you, uh, keep you, stay on top of the digital marketing news and updates, I would appreciate if you could go back and share and also comment like leave me a rating give me a review because you know and give me constructive feedback i really appreciate that uh, only because you know, it will help me become better and when i become better i will bring better content to you and you know with that you will also enjoy the content more so definitely give me some feedback you know tell me what i'm doing right tell me what you want to see more of less of i cannot promise that i will do everything you share but i would definitely love it i would encourage you please do that i mean that will be uh, you know a great feedback for me i do put in a lot of effort to bring you the news that will get you uh on par with all the other people out there uh, in terms of you know experts and things like that and that will help you to run your business well with that let me jump in first up uh, this week what we have is something from reddit reddit is something we don't cover but you know now that reddit is getting serious about reddit ads uh, i want to bring this to you that reddit has launched this thing called reddit for business website again this is for reddit ad buyers uh, who can help them basically to help them with the reddit paid advertising now reddit claims 90 percent of users trust Reddit to learn more about new products and brands for context that is higher than google amazon twitter instagram and snapchat and this is reddit's claim i do not know if it's true or not um, but yeah, I've seen Reddit where there are discussion going on. Reddit is like a rabbit hole. You go in, you ask questions, go back and forth. You can read reviews, what people are experiencing, things like that. So it makes sense. Now, the opposite side, if every coin has two sides. The other side of this coin is that, you know, this is totally also possible that there could be scammers and people with bad intentions and bad act and bad actors who could actually game the system where they can pose a question and they can have in you know, a hired uh, writers to go write rave reviews and upvote uh, a, a bad product and downvote a good product, right? It's possible. And we've seen this happen on Amazon. We've seen this in Udemy where, you know, there are services that would actually write fake reviews. And Amazon came down very hard, right? Abandoning accounts, banning marches, banning things like that. So it's a double-edged sword. Nevertheless, I think, you know, if you have a product and service that is being actively discussed and then, you know, you could help, you could definitely get a boost by having an ad that shows up um, but you know how effective that is i do not know it's a new thing for me myself uh, but you know if you have the budget definitely go and try it out but if you don't have the budget then i would say stick to the channels you are already invested in budget and resources like people who are going to run the ads learn the platforms do all sorts of things because you know adding a reddit basically means you are increasing complexity by threefold Next up, Instagram. Instagram has launched this prof in this thing called Instagram group profile. Uh, it's a new feature. Previously, it used to be called Instagram group chat function and Instagram realized, you know what? Hey, why not turn it into a group profile, which is similar to Facebook group. And now if you look at it, I think it makes really good sense. Uh, again, mark my words. This is episode 139. This is going to evolve into an Instagram group and makes sense. Like I said, why is that? Because if you hear there is a group of people and that's, in my opinion, that's in millions who have Instagram account, who go to Instagram, who hang out on Instagram, but they don't have Facebook. 
So they're not in the Facebook ecosystem. They're not in Facebook groups. And now, obviously, Instagram slash Mark Zuckerberg wants more and more people on the platform stay longer because the longer they stay, the more data points they get and the more ads they can serve and more they can learn, right? So having this watering hole, which is Instagram group or groups, where allow you to people have... If everyone is going to be forced to go back into Instagram groups and hang out there, talk about it. And these are people that would not otherwise be in Facebook. And people who are in Facebook and they may also be on Instagram groups. So it's just like more uh, daily active users, more u- use- users, more users means, you know, more ad. Uh, pla- what is it called? Forgot the word. Uh, it's just like, you know, more ad inventory. Yeah, that's the right word. Okay. So anyways, whatever happens in this group profile is for, you know, you and your group members to see how it evolves. It's going to be interesting to see, but, you know, it remains to be seen. But I really like what's what the direction of it. Uh, I personally haven't been to Facebook in like almost 11 days, but I've been to Instagram twice in those 11 days because obviously for work related purpose, I have to power up publish the announcement for this episode, things like that, okay? With that, let's move on. Next is GFO now has a built-in landing page report. Previously, it wasn't there, so you would have to create a report. It would have to be a few clicks, moving things around. GFO slash Google wants to make it easier. Again, they're trying to get people in through the door to use GFO more. However, people, uh, I do not know if they're going to use it more. That's what I'm saying. But the Check it out. If you're really interested in it, go ahead and check it out in the show notes. The one thing you need to know is that automated, the default report includes metrics like views, new users, average engagement, time per session, conversions, and total revenue. And if you're unsure what a landing page is, it's basically the first page someone lands on when they visit your website, right? So it could be a homepage, it could be a landing page. There's the same concept. Uh, But if you want to see how many people are coming, and then you can obviously dig deeper into the data, If you are a business owner, you should not be doing this by yourself. Just an FYI. If you are a business owner and you are digging through this data, unless you really, really love it, I would say do not do it. Have people do it. Even if it's your VA, EA, any admin assistant, whatever it is, they should be doing it, bringing you the number. And what will you do with this number? Right. So you need some market here. Right. Again, it's kind of, I have to be careful because you know, I don't want to be like, oh, a marketeer telling me I need a marketeer, but it is absolutely true. So you get the data. What do you do next? Right? Are you going to run a business or are you going to figure out what you're going to do with the marketing engagement? So keep that in mind. The other thing you want to know is that Google has launched a search status dashboard. This is really it's like status.search.google.com. It's just a way for you to see, hey, is Google search working properly? Is it indexing properly? Are there any issues? This is for those people who are like very curious and gets anxiety not knowing if search is working properly or not, or if you're why your website is not and getting indexed, ranked, things like that. You could go check it out. Again, the address is status.search.google.com. Other than that, there is nothing else to know. Now, Google Ads this week has launched this thing called simulation tool for data-driven attribution. Uh, Google is obviously has always pushed that they they want you to use data-driven attribution and so people who are hesitant to use data-driven attribution this simulation tool will help them uh, look at the conversions in the last seven days and then applying that model is going to tell you oh if the nail situation hey if you had data-driven attribution you would probably see this much this many uh, more conversions right things like that 
Google claims six per people see up to a six percent. Let me see my notes. Yeah, about six percent average increase in conversions. Uh, I do not know if that is really true. It could be true in other cases. It could be. Uh, it's just good to see. Uh, personally, I would say I prefer data-driven over last click because last click attribution could be uh, very tricky. And if you do time-based or any other attribution model that's out there, it's somewhat not true, somewhat not good. But especially as we're mo moving into a cookie-less world, I think data-driven makes more sense because Google will be able to keep track of who is what. And also, there's room for errors. There's nothing is foolproof. I want you to know that, right? Nothing is foolproof just because you know, things are constantly evolving. Like I am on my laptop right now. I could go and search that from my work laptop or from my uh, mobile or my children's iPad or my wife's laptop and Google would not know that we are the same user, right? But in most cases, if I, if Google has somehow like, and if I'm logged in into my laptop and then from there it's the Market & Grow account and I'm logged into my phone as Market & Grow, I, they could Google say, okay, it's the same user. So there's definitely pluses for data-driven, but what I'm saying is that do not take this thing as the data-driven is the holy grail. We should just believe it blindly because you should never blind any data blindly. That's all. Next up, Google Ads has introduced four new features to the insights page. So the four things are search term insights, assets insights, audience insights, and change history insights. It's just giving you some idea of things. Again, I think this is Google's push to give you more data, make you more feel good. Uh, like search ins insights lets you see what your customers are searching for without having to examine every individual search term. By grouping these terms into broader intent-based categories, you can easily identify which themes are most popular with your customers along with metrics like conversion, performance, search volume, and search volume growth. Now, this is like, Again, Google has been on a push to bring in small business owners, solopreneurs into the Google Ads ecosystem, and they're giving more and more data and insights to so that you can make decisions. I don't want to be the guy who tells you that you should not be running on your, your own ad because if you have, I mean, yeah, if you have below $100,000 revenue, you should do it because you don't have the firepower to do it. But you still need expert guidance, right? You still need expert guidance. So you shouldn't be in a business to do it without, uh, where you are, testing and trialing and experimenting with your business because there's an opportunity cost. The other thing is Assets Insights helps you learn about the creative assets that resonate with your potential customers. This is an easy way to identify high engaged audiences that can be used to inform the, asset, inform the assets and landing pages you create for these groups or even shift your entire marketing and product strategy. That itself tells you that how complicated this whole thing is. So if you are a business owner and if you're not in marketing business type business, you shouldn't be getting doing all these things. Audience insights uh, helps you understand the characteristics of the people who engage with the business. These insights give you a better idea of what your customers care about, making it easier to tune uh, your creative for the unique uh, interests and traits. Okay, and lastly, is changing history insights helps you identify how changes you have made in your account may impact performance. When there's a significant shift in your campaign's key metrics, this insight can help you find out which changes you made that may have caused this shift in performance and then figure out how to proceed. One joke is obviously if you listen to a Google Ads representative or salesperson uh, and they tell you to do something, you can always go to change history insights and compare what happened and how much your uh, you know, ad account tanked just because you listened to them. 
or Google Ads strategist. Anyway, moving up uh, to the next update is that Google rolls out the December 2020 links spam update. Uh, again, links last week talked about the helpful content update. This is the link spam. Uh, this takes about two weeks to roll out and this is leveraging Google spam brain uh, algorithm, which is Google's AI-based spam prevention system that's, uh, that the search company launched in 2018. Uh, spam brain was credited by Google for catching about six times more spam sites in 2021 than it did in 2020. And in the announcement, Google wrote the spam brain can not only detect spam directly, it can also detect both sites buying links and sites used for the purpose of passing outgoing links. So, you know, there are a lot of, this brings me the point, there are a lot of companies out there who are selling the uh, link building service and they do this kind of crappy stuff behind your back. So again, what I'm telling you, Mr. Business Owner, if you're listening to it, is that be Careful who you hire as your SEO company and be on top of them. All the updates that I've been sharing the last few weeks have been all about, you cannot just say, hey, oh, I'm sorry. It's more expensive to fix something than to do it right and the get-go, okay? Be even whoever you hire, interview them, vet them very well, and also make sure you stay on top of it. What are they doing on a week-by-week -week basis? Where are they posting links? Where are they getting it from? Because if they don't share it, if they're not transparent, you shouldn't be working with them in the first place. And number two, keep in mind that you are gonna get into trouble. Now to get avoid getting into trouble, an advice from Google from July 2021 is that site owners should make sure that they are following the best practices on links, both incoming and outgoing. Focusing on producing high quality content and improving user experience always wins out compared to manipulating links. Promote awareness of your site using appropriately tagged links and monetize it with properly tagged affiliate links. That sentence itself, or these two couple of sentences are, should tell you everything. And if you don't listen to it, it's all up to you. Now, the next update for this week is that Google recommends you to stop chasing expired and repurposed domains. Like, you know, in the... In the gray SEO hat community, this has been a thing, hey, I have this old domain, it has a domain authority of XYZ number or number nine N, and you know, I wanna create a site and blah, blah, blah. It's just a very old uh, myth that says, you know, if you have an old domain, you can actually slap in a new website and you will be able to get that domain's uh, ranking on, that domain's ranking will be ported over to a new site. Google's John Miller is coming out and they says, uh-uh, not gonna happen. It's basically said, build a new site if you want, but don't assume that there is old and testy SEO juice to leak up and just by placing a site on an old domain. That's exactly, I'm quoting him. I'm reading from his quote. You should, you can check out the show notes and you will see that, okay? And back in 2021, uh, this developer at Google, uh, uh, analyst from Google Webmaster Trends team said, Google understands when domains change ownership, so it won't necessarily rank for the queries it used to rank pre-change of ownership. So if the sole purpose of buying a domain is to get search traffic from old domain, I would suggest again doing so since there is no benefit. Now, there are a lot of questions out there, a lot of viewpoints out there, especially SEO practitioners. I, mean, I saw one on Friday evening on LinkedIn, some SEO expert is claiming, oh, Google says this, don't believe in this bullshit. You know, we should go follow what we've been doing and what we've been thinking. You know what? I will still take Google's advice. 
because these are people coming from Google. Well, chances are it's a big system, billions of searches in a day. Things will slip, uh, slip up, slip through, crack. But I don't want to believe someone else uh, who's just claiming to be outside and saying, oh, Google is doing this wrong and here's what Google's saying, here's what we are doing. Okay, folks, uh, so another myth busted. Uh, let's move on to the next up. Next update, Google says diverse content can also rank if you just write for your readers. Now, what, what's the backstory on this is that there's this user, I forgot her name, she wrote after the helpful content update last week, he, she wrote like, you know, oh, Google is saying that, you know, we should only write good quality contents and we should have a niche site. If we don't have a niche site, then of course we are screwed because now I'm one of those authors who, I'm not a company, I'm an author, I like to write on diverse topics. And if I write about diverse topics, I'm not a niche site. And if I'm not a niche site, then Google is not going to rank me, right? So we are screwed. Google's Dan Sullivan is coming out and saying, look, that's not true. Your site does not need to, it does not have to be niche. By, by niche, what he means is like one topic or one area of focus. It, you could have diverse topics on your site. The main thing is that you should write content for how you want your people and not for your search engine. So you should write informative content. You should write content that educate, that shows your expertise, that shows trustworthiness. Just Google is trying to say, you know, do not write content for the sake of writing content or for SEO or for search engines because we are gonna not index you. That brings up to the next question, uh, the next update of this week is that someone asked him, John Mueller C on Mastodon, hey John, what could be the reason? I saw, first I see my page, one of my page of my website showing up on search results and obviously showing up on like in page 48. And then in other days, I see it's not even showing up at all. And by the way, this is from a search uh, console report. So if you don't have search console report, this is where you need to uh, focus and you need to have that going on. So what he's saying is, you know, here's the thing. What do we do? John is saying, look, when things pop up, like when your page shows up on index and pops out again, it's like popping up, popping up. That basically means you are, you have a quality issues, right? You have a quality issues. Your content is not good quality information. Uh, it's on the borderline. It's one of those gray areas. So sometimes Google thinks it should show. Sometimes Google thinks it doesn't show. And you know, this is something that was John had talked about last year. It's called age of indexing and age of quality. Uh, it's in the show notes. I don't want to really go too deep into it right now. Uh, but if what all this means is that if for some reason your content shows up on index report or search console report once and it doesn't show up again and it shows up too low. First of all, if it shows up on too low, that basically means you are not on the right page. Or if your average position, actually, let me go back. The average position for this guy, CEO, SEO Wolf, was uh, 48.2. Right, forty-eight point two basically means uh, towards the end of page four. Right, that's what he he is saying. That is what comes on because Google usually shows ten uh, results per page. Now, obviously, Google has infinite scrolling, but that would still means it's page four towards the end of page four to uh, all right above the beginning of page five. Now. So it shows up on page four point in position forty-eight, and then obviously it doesn't show up at all. It's a bad quality content. So you should focus on content, right? That's all he's saying. And that brings us to the last update for this week is that Google has added an extra E to the EAT pro pro problem, or 
Why am I saying problem? EAT program, right? In their search quality, uh, let me, search quality raters guideline. Now, what are search quality raters guidelines? Search quality raters guideline is basically a PDF document that Google gives it to this human search quality rating team. This is a third party team, they're highly trained, they go through this document, they know, and what they do is they learn this thing, what they should do, what should they should know, and things like that, and then they, when they manually review a website, because mostly Google does automated, but there are times when they have to involve a human, so they go through this website and they will like say, okay, the quality rater guideline says, that a page should be informative, it should be this, it should be that, does it match up? Yeah, okay, fine, it should be indexed, it should be ranked. They're like, no, it doesn't rank it out yet. It's just a guideline document, it's like the Bible of the Google. That's the closest you can go to what Google does behind the scenes and how Google perceives a website and how does the SEO rank and things like that. No, it's a 176 page document. If you are feeling dizzy, nauseated, and you don't wanna really go through it, that's where, you know, organizations such as Market & Grow, I come into the play and I help you with like figuring out what you should be doing, what you should not be doing without having to do experimenting and you know, playing uh, with your opportunity cost. Now anyway, coming back, Google is saying now they're adding experience. So it's before it used to be expertise, authoritativeness, trustworthiness, now it's experience, right? Uh, what is Google looking for with experience? Google said when you write content, does that content also demonstrate that it was produced with some degree of experience such as with actual use of a product, having actually visited a place or communicating what a person experienced? Google explains that there are some situations where you where really what you value most is content produced by someone who has first-hand life experience on the topic at hand. Google shared this example. If you're looking for information on how to correctly fill out your tax returns, that's probably a situation where you want to see content produced by an expert in the field of accounting. But if you're looking for reviews of a tax preparation software, you might be looking for a different kind of information. Maybe it's a forum discussions from people who have experience with different services, AKA Reddit, right? Google said that in the updated guidelines that experience, expertise, and authoritativeness are important concepts that can support your assessment of trust, with trust being the most important member of EEAT. Google said trust is the most important member of the EEAT because untrustworthy pages have low EEAT no matter how experienced or expert or authoritative they may seem. But how does that, how does experience differ from expertise? Google said pages that share first-hand experience, first-hand life experience on clear uh, your money, your life, which is basically any topic or page that could potentially impact a person's future happiness, health, financial stability, or safety, may be considered to have high EEAT as long as the content is trustworthy, safe, consistent, or with well-established expert consensus. In contrast, some types of YML, YMYL information advice must come from experts. It's a handful, right? I know you might be feeling, what the hell is Google talking about? Google says do this, then they don't say do this, do this, and then do this. Because you know it varies, because there are billions, hundreds of billions of websites out there, like a lot of things, they have to make things uh, very meta, very high level, and they need to kind of sell you the guiding principle. But what this is all about is, look, you need to write content uh, 
which shows your expertise, but also something, you know, if you have experience, you want to write it that way. You cannot just put out content. Uh, you know, you cannot have a content farm and just put out content out there. That's all they're saying. And there are a lot of realtors who use this third-party website. They give you a blog and all these other realtors who are subscribing to it take the blog and they just put it out on the website. They're the one who are not going to really rank. They're spending the money in hopes that they are going to rank. But folks, if you have the same content as 50 other or 500 other realtors, right? Do you really think you're going to rank? Google is just going to pick one version of the copy and they say, this is the winner and we're going to keep showing you. And you're going to keep on spending money on this service and you're posting it and you're doing things and thinking, oh, I do blogging, I do blogging. That's one. Number two is the other thing you can do is you can do blogging. You might bring in people who come to your website and then they say, you know what? Uh, they come and they see my blogs and they're like, oh, fine. He's something. He's pretty well known. He talks about the real estate industry. But there are two different goals, right? One is being organically found as an expert, uh, as an authoritative voice, as someone who will build trust. Or as The other one is if I find a, someone offline, they come to my website, they look, check me out because they are two different goals, right? Uh, with that, I hope this has helped you. This, again, this is something you cannot take it lightly. SEO is a dangerous game. It's an organic game. If you do it right, it's going to pay dividends for years to come. With that, folks, that's it for this week in marketing. Remember to leave me a review if you really found it helpful or things I can do better. Thank you. Bye-bye.